All right, so t- as you've heard, we're going to talk about simplicity today. So tell me what that is. What, what does a simple life look like? <laughs> Corey's like, I have no idea. I got <laughs> three boys, a fireman, husband. It's, an, it's all complicated. What does, it say? what does it look like? Farmer? Farmer? Uh, th- I think they would argue with you about <laughs> weather. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's simple. Uh, yeah. G- yeah, you're trying to save yourself. Good luck, John. <laughs> We're talking about what is it? What is it? What? No frills, uncomplicated. No, not in any way. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good distinction, I, is that we're not talking about an, an easy life. It, it, it may not have a lot of the clutter and stuff, but it still can. You know, life is challenging. That's right. Because parenting is hard. hard. <laughs> we could substitute and say life is hard. Life is hard. Somebody ought to start a book. Oh, The Road Less Traveled. It's already been done. Um, yeah, so it's hard when you start thinking, okay, what is a simple life? What does that look like? Um, it's a tough thing sometimes to grab hold of that. The Christian discipline of simplicity that, that we're going to talk about is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. So it's an inward reality for us that results in a different kind of behavior. And you've heard me talk about this um, over the months, many, many times, really, you cannot encounter the living God and emerge unchanged. That's in, internally, it changes our heart, it changes our minds, it changes us internally, and that plays out into our lives, in what we do, because we move from it being all about us to it being all about Him. And, and so there's a transition that happens. So this inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle change is what we're talking about when we're talking about the Christian discipline of simplicity. And that transformational piece can't be otherwise when you think about it. God is indescribable, is all-encompassing, all-powerful. And when that force touches your heart and touches your life, you can't help but change. You can't help but emerge a little bit different for having had that encounter and so that that moves us a little bit closer in our desire it's it's I want more of that I love that touch of God that happens in my heart I want more of that how do I get closer to God how do I move into a relationship with him that transforms not just me but the people around me and because uh, I want them to know about this too I want them to experience this this heart change that I'm going through so how do I live in such a way that God is shown through me how do I become the light how do I become salt how do I live in such a way that that comes about it's hard for us the world is complicated Amen? It's complicated. And the interesting thing about us, did you know that human beings are complicated <laughs> as well? Do you know that we often crave things that we don't even need? Did you, did you, you know? 
Gosh, I got to have that, right? I want that so much. <laughs> Give that to me. Think about Christmas three years ago. What did you get? They just had to have. I, I wrote this is the best thing ever. What, what is it? Um, what about two years ago? What about two months ago? <laughs> I got to have it, though, right? And then, and then we get it, and what do we do? We go, eh, you know, okay. That was good for a day. Right, Noah? <laughs> and we go, eh, you know. What's next, right? What's the next thing that I need? Because that next thing is going to be it. If I can get that next thing, then I'm going to be content and I'm going to be happy and, and I'm going to be fulfilled. And I'm going to have joy and it's going to be good and I'm going to be okay and everything's going to be great if I get whatever it is. And then we get it. Let's say we get it. And it's like, okay, that was good. What's next? Because I need that next thing. Need something more. Just doesn't have to be a lot more. Just a little bit more, and I'll be good. Just a little bit more. This morism impacts everything that we do. We have a constant yearning for the next thing. You know, there's a reason QVC exists. Anybody up at 3 o'clock in the morning? What's on TV? They are selling stuff on every channel. <laughs> You know, there's a reason for that. It's because that next thing, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a football jersey or, a, you know, a, the, the jewelry, and it's just going to be the thing that makes me feel better. And then I'm going to be okay. And so, you know, I'm, I want that. And then we get it, and it doesn't turn out that, that way for us. Sometimes we play a comparison game, right? Well, Mike's got a nice guitar. I want a nice guitar. In fact, I think I want a better guitar. And I get a better guitar, and then Eric's got a nice guitar. Eric's guitar is better than Mike's guitar, and Eric's guitar is better than my guitar, so I need another guitar because I need a better guitar than Eric's guitar, so I need to get another guitar. I do what I can, Bridget. You need more guitars in your house. <laughs> do I need another guitar? I've got four. <laughs> I've got enough guitars. I, I don't play as much as I used to even, you know, so it's like I don't need another. But my head thinks that the next guitar would be the best guitar. Or like Keeping up with the Joneses. They got a nice house, so I need a nice house. In fact, I'm going to do a little bit more than them. So then they'll do a little bit more than me. And then a little bit more, a little bit more. Pretty soon we're all broke and we don't have any money, but we got a nice yard. I'm telling you, the yard looks good. Um, that's not simplicity. Our culture is unbalanced when it comes to stuff when it comes to resources and we as Christians are supposed to be different we're called to be different from the rest of the world we're called to live differently from the complicated uh, material driven 
personal focus of the world. We're called to be different from that. And simplicity is a way of life for the Christian that will keep us different from the world. But know that the world is going to constantly be trying to pull us into that complicated lifestyle. And that's why it's hard to answer, answer the question these days about what is sim simplicity because we don't think in those terms very often. Richard Byrd, uh, he's, a, he's an explorer and he went to the Arctic and he said this, he said, I'm learning that a man can live profoundly without masses of things. And we don't have to go to the North Pole or the South Pole to discover that. One of my favorite mission experiences was in Nicaragua and they had um, these, they were called chompas, they were just uh, wooden tents really, that with tent sides and wooden poles and they had, uh, they lived in those and, but there was like a street down the middle and I was walking down the street and this, this Will, Will aged little boy, he saw me and he looked at me and he did one of these. And he went like this. And he got to me, and he jumped, and I caught him, and we did this. And I set him down, and he went, whew. <laughs> And that impacted me. Still, uh, it's still with me. You know what that little boy had? He lived in a tent with no bathroom, <laughs> with nothing. They went down to the river to wash. They didn't have running water. didn't have any of that. And he had a joy that touches my heart today. I want that. That's a picture of simplicity. Amen. When we can let go of some of the things that keep us bound. And God knows that, that we do a lot of stuff with, you know, all of our, we gather stuff, right? We collect stuff. Um, material goods and wealth and all of those things. He knew that was going to be trouble for us. That's why he talks about it in Scripture all the time. It's why we hate when a pastor starts to talk about it, you know, because it's, uh, now you're gone to meddling in, in my life and you're not, not supposed to be doing that. But I wouldn't be living into my calling if I didn't at least share some of what God says about wealth and our, but you know, it's not about wealth, it's about our attitude towards it. Old Testament, Leviticus, the land must not be permanently sold because the land is mine. You're just immigrants and foreign guests of mine. That's Leviticus 25, 23. What he's saying is, I'm the creator. This is my, my world that I've created. And the land you get to use, you get to use. And back in those days, they had what they called the year of Jubilee, when the land would actually go back to the owner or the family that originally had the land. So you could use it, I think it was seven years, and then it would go back to the family, which says, this is not yours, this is God's, and you get to use it. And that's the message that he sends in scripture all the time. Psalm 62.10, don't trust in violence, don't set false hopes in robbery. When wealth bears fruit, don't set your heart on it. Does he say that wealth shouldn't bear fruit? No, wealth should bear fruit. If you make money, right on. Make money, but don't let that be the goal. What are you doing with that? 
How are you impacting the kingdom? What fruit is coming from what the provision that God has put in your life? Proverbs eleven twenty eight. He who trusts in riches will wither. Luke sixteen thirteen. You cannot serve both God and money. Matthew six twenty nine. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. And there are many, many more. There's over two thousand <laughs> verses in Scripture that speak to this idea of wealth and money. And and it's not about not having it. It's not. It's what are we doing with it when we have it? How are we letting God use that? Because it's His. All is his, and he gives it to us and lets us use it. And Jesus as well. Luke 12, 15, take heed and beware all covetousness, for a person's life does not cons- consist of the, uh, in the abundance of his possessions. Luke 12, 33, yeah, he's meddling. Sell your possessions <laughs> and give alms. Provide yourself with purses that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that don't fail. Talked about the parable of the rich farmer who had abundant crops and what he did with that instead of using that to to help other people he built a second silo and he died that night they he talks about where's your heart where are you laying up your treasure because that's the most important thing when it comes to to the 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 wealth that he gives to us what are we doing with it what are we doing with it and that's hard in the church because we like to go well the church is only after your money Anybody ever heard or said that? Heard it, yeah. You know, let me be clear about one thing. I say this when, it, when I pray over the offering. Giving is a spiritual discipline. Generosity is important for us because it's about our heart. Give to the work of God in this world. And if you don't think that's this place, fine. Give to the work of God in this world somewhere. You will not find a scripture that says you must, you know, support Arbor Point Church, but you certainly will find lots of scriptures that say give to the work of God in the world. That's the difference. It's not about us. He knew that. He, knew, he knows that our heart needs to be softened. We need to give to the work of God in the world. So I pray that that's what you're hearing this morning. That's the most critical part about this because wealth complicates things it just does the more you have the more complicated it gets God's tried to make it simple what's a tithe 10% you mean there's not like a scale no it's just like one number 10% are you sure that's not complicated it's so if I, well now hang on, it's not fair. If I make $100,000, that 10% means I'm giving $10,000. That's a lot of money, <laughs> right? So, so somebody who only makes $10,000 and they give 1000 you know, I'm giving 9000 more dollars than them. That's not fair, is it? God keeps it simple, doesn't he? What do we do with that? Because that's a challenge for us. It it is. The more money we make, the harder it is. Because we can give more, but we're giving less, which is a strange little dynamic that happens in the church all the time. We don't do simple. We do 
complicated. We do complicated really, really well as human beings. And simplicity is not just about swearing stuff off. In fact, Foster in the book, he, he makes this point. The, uh, he talks about asceticism, which is avoiding indulging, uh, you know, and avoiding material wealth and that kind of uh, material, the accumulation of material stuff. He says that asceticism and simplicity are mutually incompatible, which means they cannot go together. Ascetics were the guys, the monks, who'd go up in the mountains and, you know, be off by themselves. That's mutually incompatible because God is good, and what he created is good. And he created that for us to enjoy. And we're to enjoy that. We're to enjoy the, the creation and, and the blessings that he gives to us. Not to just withdraw, not to avoid, but to enjoy that. So if, if you're flush, that's awesome. Enjoy that. Give to the work of God in the world and enjoy the blessing. And, you know, Wesley was right. He said, make all you can, save all you can so that you can give all you can. Make a difference with the blessings that you've been given. You know, wherever that is. I love this church. But you won't, you won't hear me say, you have to give here. Because that is not the point. It's a spiritual discipline that's not meant for a place. It's meant for our heart. When we give, it changes us, changes our heart. And that's what God wants from us. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously quite clear on that. He wants, to, he wants heart change for us. So that kind of stuff is important, but it shouldn't be our first focus. Matthew 6, 25, which is our passage if there's a primary verse, this is it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much more valuable than they are? Let me ask you that question. Are you not much more valuable than they are? The answer is yes. Are they valuable? Anybody love animals? Aren't they awesome? Love animals. You're more valuable. See, when, when, when we say that, it's like, well, wait a minute. But what, we what I hope that you get out of that is how valuable you are to God. Because we esteem. I grew up with animals. I love animals. And we, you know, they're important to me, especially dogs. Um, but God loves me more than that. You're much more valuable than they are. Don't let this world, you hear me say this too a lot, but don't let this world rob you of that. You are more valuable. You are, God's love for you is incredible. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do we do it? <laughs> another sermon for another day. But, <laughs> but we sure do. Yeah. Why do you worry about clothes? It talks about the flowers. His, the point being, God provides for the things that we need 
And when he provides an abundance, that's for us to utilize for him. And he finishes this passage with, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. An amazing thing happens when we begin to seek God's kingdom first. The things, all those, that morism stuff begins to subside because what's important? God's kingdom. I'm seeking God's kingdom, and I want the things that God wants. And, and all of the extra stuff becomes less important as God's kingdom becomes more important and fulfilling that. That's what simplicity is. As we begin to elevate the kingdom of God above the kingdom of earth and we begin to see the, thi- the world the way that he sees it, it transforms us and it changes us. And we don't need all that stuff that we once needed. And we can be that little boy in Nicaragua who had nothing, but he can run and jump in some stranger's arms, spin around and run off and go down to the stream and jump and play and do all that stuff. And we can do that when we elevate the kingdom of God and we lower the kingdom of us. Keep it simple, saints. Most of us know a different <laughs> use of that last word, but I, that's not how God sees us. He doesn't see us as stupid. He sees you as saint. Keep it simple, saints. Don't complicate. Jesus was asked, and Corey mentioned this too, Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders of his day in Matthew 26, says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Very good. And? That love your neighbors, they got it. (laughs) Yeah. And all of the law and the prophets hang Upon, so it's not that the other stuff doesn't matter, it's that it's all hanging on love of God and love of our neighbor. That's where, where simplicity is. Love God, love your neighbor, and I would add, prove it. Love God, love your neighbor, and prove it. How you live it. Do you live is something going on in your life and you're just, you know, you're evaluating, you're looking at it, evaluate it through that lens. Is, does this honor God? Does this love God? Does this love the neighbor? Because if it doesn't, rethink it. Love God, love your neighbor, and prove it. Seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. That's pretty simple. That's where we can land this. That's where we can live. If you'll bow with me.